0: Hello, Rocky Mountain National Podcast listeners, our podcast pikas out there. Um, before we tell you about this week's episode, we have two special events coming up on Tuesday, July 18th that we want to make sure you know about. So Tuesday, July 18th. First, we are celebrating the 100th anniversary of the Holsworth Historic Site. Uh, and you're going to hear a lot about the Holsworth Historic Site in this week's podcast episode. So stick around, give it a listen. Maybe it'll entice you to come celebrate. The Holdsworth Historic Site is located about 8 miles north of Grand Lake on Highway 34 on the west side of Rocky Mountain National Park. From 10.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., we will celebrate the history of the Holsworth family with special displays, programs, and games for children. And we'll also be giving guided tours of the site all day. Then starting at 5 p.m., join us for a special campfire program with actual Holdsworth family members at the Holsworth Historic Site Campfire Ring. So a full day of celebrations for the 100th anniversary of the Holsworth Historic Site. We are also on Tuesday, July 18th, celebrating World Listening Day. Uh, from babbling brooks and thundering waterfalls to bugling elk and singing birds, the natural sounds in this park and uh, all over the world create immersive experiences that are important for visitors, wildlife, and ecosystems. The unimpaired sounds of nature are fundamental natural resources worthy of protection. And this day celebrates that. So there will be activities, art projects, and interactive games at Fall River Visitor Center from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Fall River Visitor Center again. Then you can meet in front of the Fall River Visitor Center at 6 p.m. to join Dr. Jacob Job, a scientist with the Sounds and Light Ecology team at Colorado State University, Uh, he is going to guide you on a 1.5-hour sound walk that will focus on listening to the sounds of Rocky and what they tell us about our surroundings. So uh, again, for that walk, meet at 6 p.m. in front of the Fall River Visitor Center. One thing to note is that you do need a park pass of some kind because you will be going into the park. So either a day pass, week pass, annual pass, interagency pass, some kind of pass so that you can get entrance into the park. All right, so those are our news and announcements. We are going to lead straight into this week's episode, which is a very cool one. Uh, We traveled over Trail Ridge Road to the west side of the park and joined Macy McPherson and Michelle Simmons, our two year-round interpretive rangers on the west side of the park at the Holsworth Historic Site. So we sat out in front of Holsworth. We uh, were at the picnic table. And uh, chatted all about not only Holsworth and why it's important and what you can do there, uh, but also about Macy and Michelle's career, um, what it's like on the west side of the park versus the east side of the park and things to look for over there, uh, about the town of Grand Lake. It was just a great conversation. We had a really good time. And uh, we hope that this will help you learn about some of the lesser visited uh, areas in Rocky Mountain National Park on the west side. So we hope you enjoy and uh here we go here's Macy and Michelle We are here at Holzwarth Historic Site. Is that the name? Yes, Holdsworth Historic Site. Yeah. With, can you give us your names and your your title, what you do at the park?
1: Uh, my name is Macy McPherson, and I am one of the interpreters here on the west side of Rocky Mountain National Park.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I am Michelle Simmons. I'm the district interpreter here on the west side of the park, so I oversee the kind of the visitor communication education operation here. And Macy is selling herself short because she is actually my right-hand person, um, the only other permanent interpreter year-round here on the west side of the park, and she is amazing. She also is the lead out here at Holdsworth Historic Site, so it's thanks to her and the volunteers she works with that we have this wonderful place open to the public.
0: Mm-hmm. So we have two permanent interpretive rangers on this side of the
2: we park. We do. There are two of us that work there year around. All and two of you. <laughs> all
0: two of us. Yep.
2: <laughs> and a number of wonderful seasonals who help us out in the summer. And then again, some of them in the winter with our ski and snowshoe okay. programs uh-huh. and education programs uh-huh. in, in the schools. Um, and But no, thank goodness Macy is here. <laughs> thank goodness Michelle is
1: here.
0: <laughs> yeah. And for our podcast listeners who have listened to previous episodes, episode one, we we interviewed Kathy cool. on on the other side. So, uh, Michelle, you're like the Kathy of this side, the yeah, district. Yeah, in some ways, Kathy some is ways. the
2: East District right interpreter or East District naturalist. I'm right. the West District naturalist, and I'm told sometimes known as the Wicked Witch of the East and the Wicked Witch of the <laughs> West.
0: Wow. So, okay. No
2: comment there, but no
0: comment. Okay, <laughs> that's funny. All right, so uh, today I want to talk about West Side of the Park versus the east side for sure. I'm sure that'll come up and then also talk about Holsworth where we are and we can talk we can start with with Holsworth historic site. So um since the since that's where we're sitting, um could you give us just a real quick overview of what what Holsworth is?
1: The Holsworth historic site is a a homestead that was homesteaded by the Holdsworth family, mm-hmm. um, and then it was turned into a dude ranch and a working ranch through 1974. Mm-hmm. And so today, it gives visitors an opportunity to come and see what life was like 100 years ago. This year, the main cabin is 100 years old. It was oh, yeah. built in 1917. Centennial. It's a centennial the of the Holsworth. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Coming up here and homesteading. Uh-huh. And we have a lot of family heirlooms here at the site. So visitors actually get to have a one-on-one experience with real artifacts, which Mm -hmm. you don't get in a lot of places. Uh, And they get really uh, amazing one-on-one tours with volunteers who know a lot about the history and kind of give visitors a glimpse into the past here at Rocky Mountain.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: Yeah, and expanding on what Macy said um, about the artifacts, one of the neat things about the story here is that when the site was sold, um, to the National Park Service actually via the Nature Conservancy uh, when it happened back in the 70s. Um, the Holesworths sold it with their belongings intact. Hmm. So you really do when you walk through the cabins and you look in the cabins you're seeing it as they left it and you're really catching an authentic glimpse mm-hmm. of what homesteading life was out here mm-hmm. was like out here.
0: Yeah that struck me the first time I visited here which was what, three years ago now I think. Um, yeah, you just felt like you are walking to somebody's house. It was really neat. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel like you are walking into a museum or anything like that. You're just like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> That's cool. I'm glad that they convinced them to leave all their stuff.
1: We have a lot of visitors who say that same thing, or they say, wow, this looks just like my grandma's or my uh-huh. great-grandma's house. Like, some of the same artifacts are in here that are in my relative's mm-hmm. home. So it really helps them connect, like, oh, wow, people actually did live here at Rocky Mountain.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was... Uh, one one thing that I enjoyed was all the all the taxidermy, all the various projects. Just because it was like, it just kind of gave you a feel for. Tell, tell them about how that came
1: to be. Yeah. So there are a lot of taxidermy yeah, items lot. out here. Yeah, for people <laughs> and who haven't
0: visited, number one, you should come visit, and yeah, it's just like.
1: There's an coat incredible racks, yeah lamps. coat racks um, made with feet of animals. Yeah. Um, lamps, exactly. There's all kinds of different types of items, and there's actually a whole taxidermy shop where mm-hmm. all of um, Papa or John senior Holsworth, um, he has all of his tool, all of his tools Mm -hmm. and everything are still here. And, um, the reason, one of the reasons why he started taxidermy was because he got in a really bad wagon accident Uh just right at the bottom of the hill here when he, they first homesteaded up here and he couldn't really work anymore. And so he went back to school or to school, uh, long distance. Um, oh, like correspondence. Correspondence courses wow. to Nebraska. Oh. And um, which I'm still puzzled of how you do that in, in yeah. the early 1920s. I mean, <laughs> right. Um, and so in 1924, he got his taxidermy license officially and it's hanging up in the taxidermy shop for folks to see. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, they, they turned a pretty um, tough situation into something yeah. really Really interesting and a great opportunity for the family yeah. to, to still make a living out here.
0: Yeah, Some of the stuff in the taxidermy shop is really neat. It's is really that a neat. deer that's in the case? There's a deer
1: in the case. There's, there's also a, full-sized a full-sized <laughs> full size deer. Um, and it's kind of white because uh-huh. it's been bleached by the sun. Yeah. So that's why it's hidden in the back now. Uh, um, and there's also a couple birds stuffed back in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, yes, in the mama cabin, we there's a lot of yeah. deer and some elk and then some a literal footstool.
0: Yeah. Yep. Which you'd have to
1: see in person to really appreciate it. was still made out of feet. Yes. Yeah.
0: So they first came here then in nineteen seventeen, correct? Yes. When they built the first cabin. Yes. So uh paint the picture. What was what was homesteading like here? And in Jeff, 1917. And they, yeah. And why did they come come here? Yeah.
1: So um, if you can try to imagine um, being a family in Denver in 1916 and operating in a saloon, um, Colorado was one of the first states to pass prohibition. And so this family, the Holsworths, um, lost one of their main businesses oh. in 1916. And um, and so they had to start all over again. They had oh. a huge change happen to their family uh, and had to figure out what to do you know what what to do they were in their early 50s they so they had to really start over um, in the middle of their lives and they still had one son at home who was 14 johnny jr and they decided to come up in homestead um john holdsworth senior papa had homesteaded before in his younger years, but it didn't really work out for him up here in the in the county. Um, so they decided to try again. And luckily enough um, for them, there was still homesteaded property available up here on the edge of Rocky Mountain National Park mm. um, in 1916, which is pretty, pretty incredible to think about. So yeah. the park was already a national park, but right. where we are right now was not park land. And so um, 1917, they came up here um, and built a cabin and started working the land, which is what you had to do to homestead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then really quickly after that, Papa injured himself. So Mm. that 14 year old son, he would have been probably 15 or 16 at the time had to take on everything, farming, building the cabins, keeping up all the work. Um, they cut ice off a grand lake for a living in the winter, but also to keep their food cold. So there's a lot of work year round. And, um, yeah, so this place was very different. I imagine back then compared to today, um, you know, there wasn't a paved road. Um, Fall River Road wasn't open yet or Trail Ridge Road. Uh, Grand Lake was a little community, but there wasn't a lot there. So it's that, you know, it's just under eight miles south of us. So they had to somehow get back and forth to town yeah. in the winter.
0: Seems very remote. Very remote. Very remote.
1: So they were tough.
0: And just hard winters. Very hard so winters. up here.
1: When you come out here in the winter nowadays, you're snowshoeing on a good four or five feet of snow. Yeah. So I can imagine it was pretty incredible yeah, was back was then long as time well.
0: Too. I just can't imagine. Yeah, trying to homestead. I know it's like trying to grow food or or anything. Well,
1: and
2: indeed, the the homesteading part, particularly the the ranching and trying to raise cattle or horses, um, proved to be a real challenge. And like like many of the homesteaders in the valley here that made it work, they discovered as the park became more popular that it was far easier to make a living um, in the recreation industry uh, than it was actually being um, you know relying on ranching and mm-hmm. cattle. Um, and so they did. As the park grew in popularity, as Fall River Road did open, and then eventually Trail Ridge Road, they they made their living by building more cabins and catering to tourists who mm-hmm. would come through here, offering lodging, offering home cooked meals. Uh, Johnny Holsworth, Johnny Johnny Jr. catching fish down in mm-hmm. the Colorado River, which is here on the property, mm-hmm. and uh, serving visitors. You know, now we don't do all of that today, but we're sure. still <laughs> in the business of serving visitors, yeah. and and that's what's really kept up here in the kawanichi valley yeah area. when
0: did they make when did they start making that switch from homesteading to to starting to do the it really happened in the early 1920s Okay, um, so they so, so they weren't homesteading too long too long they were like okay we need to do something
1: else here. yeah and they actually had a lot of of uh, papa's friends coming up from denver oh. um just to stay here uh-huh. and um, Mama oh, so or Sophia Holsworth hmm. was kind of getting tired of taking care of them oh, all without you know getting anything, and Johnny was doing all the work, and so she said, "I'm gonna start mm-hmm. charging people to mm-hmm. stay here and cook for them, mm-hmm. and and that sort of thing." And so they um, built one of the first um, guest cabins in 1921, mm-hmm. and um, and that one you can go in today. It's called Twin One, mm-hmm. um, and see kind of what what it would have been like to stay here, little little log yeah. cabin, and uh, and Mama Holsworth would cook and. Um, really great german food she was she was a german immigrant as well as oh, really? um, john holsworth senior they they both immigrated into america separately but met in denver and very strong german roots so she had some apparently great german food coming out of that oh, kitchen wow.
0: that sounds great come stay back here for how long would people stay just totally varied or was it more long i
1: I don't know exactly how long they would stay. Um, I know they in the twenties they charged two dollars a night or eleven dollars a week to stay here, oh. um, and that included food and 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 whatnot. And probably horses to, sure. to go on trips, wow. um, pack trips with.
0: Um, I could handle that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine for how long it probably took to get up here. It probably took in those days. You know, even in a like a Model T pickup truck or something like that. It would have taken a while to get up here from Denver over Bertha Pass or over Fall River Road, you know, it would have taken forever. So I'd assume once you got up here, you'd probably stay stay for a while, while. Yeah, which people still do today. Um, A lot of visitors come up to the Grand Lake area and they don't just come for one day. Usually they're here, either camping here in the National Park or outside, um, staying in a little cabin or whatnot Mm -hmm. for a good few days or a week at a time. Yeah. Or even for the whole summer.
2: Actually, one of the fun things about how much time people spend, um, A lot of folks are driving through the valley here and see the sign for Holdsworth Historic Site. Don't really know anything about it, but stop in. Um, The bulk of the buildings are about a half a mile across the valley and across the Colorado River from the parking area. Uh, But we have one historic cabin that's right by the parking area. And so during, during the times that we're open, which is about 1030 to to 430 daily here in the summer, uh, you'll meet a visit, uh, not a visitor, you'll meet a volunteer uh, at that cabin, who will tell people a little of the history and encourage them to to take that half a mile level stroll across the valley to come see the main part of the historic site? Mm-hmm. And what often happens is people think, oh well, we'll we'll trot back there quickly and spend a few minutes and come back. And it is not uncommon to watch people spend two hours, three hours. They mm-hmm. get out here and there's so much to see, and the volunteers who uh, who run the site are are so knowledgeable and friendly. Um, and there's a few activities for kids to do. We've just actually, thanks to one of our interns this summer, another amazing volunteer, Emily, uh, have started up a, a bingo, uh, a little bingo game that you can play out here looking for some of the artifacts. Uh-huh. Like, is the footstool on it? The footstool's, the footstool's, on. footstool's <laughs> on it.
1: Also, the toilet seat The toilet seat and twin one is on there. Which oh, really? have to come well, don't, find. Don't tell them where it is. I won't.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. It's in there somewhere. In there somewhere.
1: So at any rate, the...
2: If you're planning on coming, give yourself plenty of time yeah. because folks really do get hooked out here. Yeah, that it's happens. It's a great place to stay. Yeah, the first stay. time
0: that I came out here with a small group of people, yeah, we were like, oh, we'll just stop in and check it, And we stayed quite a while. The buffalo coat lured us in.
1: Yeah, so we have an incredible buffalo coat um, that is a remake of the original buffalo uh-huh. coat, but it's still really incredible. Um, yeah, and so heavy. It's so heavy and um, it's just amazing. We just had it restitched a little because we have so many people try it on. It was uh-huh. actually falling apart. Um, and that's how much people love this yeah. buffalo coat. They actually come here looking for it. Oh, yeah. And it's made out of two buffalo hides and it weighs 22 pounds. So you definitely need to come check so, out the buffalo yeah. coat and put it on.
0: I'd be I'd love to have it on when it's cold, just to see. Because every every time I've put it on, it's been warm. Yeah, it's and been like, hot. Okay, I'm yeah, hot immediately. Like, is, Take it I'm off. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it'd be interesting to see how it is when it's, you know, tin.
1: I try 10 to imagine below, below. wearing that heavy coat and walking around in the snow because it's down Good to the workout. ground. <sighs> yeah. So and with how much snow there is, even if you're in skis or snowshoes, you'd yeah. just be coated in snow and ice. Absolutely. Well it's down to the ground for you, Macy. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> Uh, I'm true. not sure it would have
2: been true for Johnny Holsworth.
0: True, was <laughs> much taller than me. <laughs> so, so while we're setting it up, so yeah, when people when people pull up, you're driving on um, uh, 30 Trail Ridge Road, Trail Ridge Road 34, whatever you wanna, whichever you wanna mm-hmm. call it. You'll see a sign, Holsworth Historic Site, one of those nice brown signs that you see in parks. Um, and there's a parking area, and like you said, the cabin there's someone there to talk to then you walk about half a mile and it's a nice walk it's a great walk there's some mm-hmm. uh there's some signs that teach you about the area you can kind of get out in the middle of the valley to get a little bit more of a feel you walk over the Colorado River there's
2: often elk or moose yep. that you see along the elk way elk or
0: moose and then you get over here and how many cabins are there total a lot it's it's quite a quite a sight
2: <laughs> we're counting Hang yeah on. we're
0: counting right now
2: talk amongst yourselves
0: yeah there's a lot.
1: There's twelve cabins <laughs> out here. Plus a few outhouses that yeah. um are kind of scattered throughout. And then
0: so when you come to visit, how many of these can you can you look inside? You can look in the main cabin. You can right? look in the
1: main cabin, the mama cabin, which we give tours of because that's, okay. yep, that's where all the artifacts are. So we ask you to go in with um one of the volunteers and one uh-huh. of the rangers out here. And that
0: is really cool. It's I would I mean really we're audio great. only, so we can't show you. Yeah. But you need to come see. <laughs> it's
1: it. it's really, really neat in there. Um, and then there's one of the guest cabins, Twin One, that you can go in um, that's self guided, as uh-huh. well as the taxidermy shop. Uh-huh. Um, there's also an out- ice house where they kept blocks of ice that they cut off a of Grand in. Yeah. And it has the original sod roof from the Holsworth family yeah. still growing on it.
0: Oh, that is okay. That's actually that's really, the real grass. Yes. That's
1: amazing. Um, and then the little tent house mm-hmm. um, that Johnny built himself uh, because he got tired of sleeping in the one room cabin with his parents. <laughs> Wonder why? Um, and those are the the main public buildings, and then uh-huh. the one down by the parking lot as well, uh-huh. the Fleshy cabin, uh-huh. which is a little older
0: than the cabins up here. So people can um, look at those. They can get uh, they have they have to get a guided tour through yep. Mama House. Yep, Mama, Mama House. House, and, and then, then there's Bingo.
1: There's bingo. There's um, a coat you can try There's on. a coat. There's also a washing machine where you can um, oh, wash like Oh, a hand wash and machine. There machine. is a hand wash machine with a crank. Crank, yeah. And um, wring out the socks. You can also dress up like a pioneer or a cowboy. So we wow. have clothes for you all to try on. And you can also rope a horse and sit on a saddle. Wow. Um, so, there's, so much to do.
2: Well, explain the horse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's not a
2: live horse. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Miles was getting really excited. No, we do oh, we do have a little a saddle you can sit on and oh, you, you I can see. Ho- you can Is that a sawhorse? What would you even call that horse? Uh, know, it's
0: a, it's so
2: certainly an original
0: artifact. Log horse or a log something. Horse. A horse saw saw horse, yeah.
2: <laughs> there is a log horse. Yes. yes so there's a lot to definitely do. Definitely you can try your yeah. roping, your roping. And actually if you come during the heart of the summer, uh, during July, and I'm trying to remember, we might even go into the first week of August this year. On Friday mornings, there is a program that we offer, ranger-led program called a walk backwards, mm. which is geared towards kids, um, typically kids age about six to twelve, and um, it, it's by reservation. So you can you can call the park ahead of time to sign up your kids. Nine seven zero. to make reservations for that. But they actually will dress the kids up in period costumes. That's led by one of our longtime rangers, Barb King, who's amazing with children. Um, So they get to dress up in costume and pretend that they're part of a a ranch family. They come back, they get a tour of the the mama cabin, and then they get to engage in a bunch of different period-type chores, whether it's... um, Mixing some biscuit dough together, or cleaning fish, or milking a cow. Wow. Again, the cow may also be made of wood, <laughs> but it's a <laughs> whole lot. Of, it's a whole lot of fun. Um, and what about well, sewing on buttons or, or wow. making yeah, making period a, dolls?
1: Uh, yeah, period dolls. Um, they weave a little rug um they nail horseshoes they saw wood they do a lot of wow how long is it? they do get to do a few games like sack races but how long um, is it the the program is about two and a half
0: hours oh wow that's a lot that's a lot of stuff yeah and
2: it's actually when you look at our statistics is one of our most popular programs here on the west side of the park
0: sounds fun which is why
2: we ask people to reserve in advance Uh, um so that it doesn't get too unwieldy in terms mm -hmm. of the numbers but that's friday mornings um i'm sure it runs through july i think it might I think it might run through August fourth. Um, but if you if you access the website, yeah, that you can Miles check our online of, calendar. <laughs> you yeah. can check the online calendar. Yeah, when you go to our website,
0: if you look in the upper right hand corner, there's a little icon and it says calendar, click on there. Search, put in the dates when you're gonna be here and it'll show you everything that's going on then. So you can confirm all the details. It's also in the park newspaper when you come in the park and the handy you the newspaper, look in the middle of that, and it'll have it has all of our programming.
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, uh, another program. The, yeah, another another one of our oh, really yeah, special programs yeah. that happens out here uh, happens on Friday evenings. So Fridays are a big day out at Holdsworth Historic yeah. Site. But Friday evenings, uh, another one of our rangers who's worked here more than 20 seasons, uh, Harry Cannon, does a program called Old Ranch campfire. I have to be careful not to say old ranger campfire.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't want to offend anyone.
2: <laughs> no, no, but, uh, an old campfire with an old ranger. <laughs> but, uh, he does that in first person character. Oh, so cool. when you arrive down at uh, the parking lot, down at Flesh Cabin, he greets you as if he were a ranch hand working for Johnny Holsworth mm. um, at the time that this was an operating dude ranch. And so he will lead you across that, that path across the valley, Telling you tall tales and stories, which are very much in the style of what Johnny Holdsworth was famous for. Uh, when they had folks staying out here at the ranch, they would have evening campfires, and, and he was known for his tall tales. So Harry tells those, and they come back here to the site. We have a campfire ring here at Holdsworth Historic Site. They gather around, and it's just an old timey, old fashioned good time. They sing a lot of songs, campfire songs. Marshmallows are roasted. And uh, more, more tall tales are told, and it is, it's a really fun, feel-good, family-friendly uh, type program. And, again, that goes into uh, early August, I think, on Friday evenings. And, again, look at the website for the details on that. But mm-hmm. that, that is not to be missed, if you can mm-hmm. help it.
0: Wow. A lot of stuff going on over here at Holsworth. I didn't even realize.
1: And I mean, I did, but I didn't think of week, it all at once. on the 18th, Tuesday, July 18th. Yeah, that's a big one celebrating the 100 years of the Holdsworth family homesteading yeah. here. So we're going to have, throughout the day, we're going to you know do our normal tours and um, and have everything ac- accessible. And then we will have some special booths set up and some kids games from Barb's Walk Backwards program. Mm-hmm. And um, in the evening, around 5 p.m., we're going to have a campfire with some of the Holdsworth family members. Mm-hmm. We're going to come out and tell some stories and answer our questions. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the area on July 18th, uh, that would be a great time to stop by. Uh, the Holdsworth Historic Site.
0: Yeah, come on by. We've had a couple hundred. There's that for here, the 100th anniversary of Holdsworth. And then not too long ago, we had a centennial celebration here for the whole park. So this wasn't part... When did when did the Kawaneechi Valley area become part of Rocky Mountain National Park?
1: Well, okay. it changed we can... little by little. Um, uh-huh. Slowly, the park accumulated some of Mm. the the private inholding lands and parcels yeah Mm. um 1975 is when the holsworth property which was um almost 800 acres at that point oh wow um, i didn't realize it
0: was that big yeah
1: they accumulated a lot of land over the the period of them living here yeah and so it was called the never summer ranch at that period and so the whole never summer ranch um was turned over to the National Park Service in nineteen seventy five. Mm-hmm. Um so that was that was a good chunk of the Kawanichi Valley, yeah. but there's still even today are a couple inholdings mm-hmm. in the Valley but and we're still acquiring land here and there. Yeah I didn't
0: one just recently get acquired and Yeah.
2: Yeah there are there's just a few, just a, last just a few right? private inholdings here, people who own property since before the time that the park was established. Mm-hmm. And there was, um, I think it was the Johnson property. That's right. That, that was acquired um, with the help of the Rocky Mountain Conservancy mm-hmm. uh, just a, a couple of years ago. And so, yeah, yeah, these things, as they become available and as we have willing owners, right. there's an attempt to try and right. make the park whole in terms, in mm. terms of the boundaries mm-hmm. of the private property. Mm-hmm. So m- more, more sites that people can go, can go visit. Mm-hmm. That particular one is kind of in an obscure... Location hard kinda, to get to. Yeah, kind of hard to get to. It's not on the main 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 road. Mm. But but what that protects it from though going forward is that you know a private owner could sell to another private owner who could look at things like development. Whereas when it does get purchased and, and given to the park eventually, it ensures that it'll be preserved in a natural state for right for generations to come. You know, yeah, <laughs>
0: so, forever. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, at yeah, least yeah, that's yeah, what we're yeah. supposed to do. Yes, yeah. indeed. So what else? We can, come, we can come back to Holdsworth as things come up. Are there other key things you want to make sure we hit before we talk a little bit more broadly?
2: You know, I'm going to give one more pitch for the volunteer program out here because uh-huh. this, this site would not exist in a way that was accessible to the public if we didn't have mm-hmm. volunteers. We usually have a staff of about six volunteers a day that it takes to operate this place and do the tours. Uh, and provide wonderful service for the public. So, you know, moving forward year by year, we're always looking to recruit volunteers. Yeah. We even have a couple of cabins on site here that are used as housing for oh. some of the volunteers who get wow. to experience what it what it's like to live in a rustic area off Sounds great. off the main roads. We have with no internet and very minimal cell phone coverage. Yeah, pretty idyllic um, though. But but we You're do each year we that, have like... we have, you know, two or three or four volunteers that live up here on site. Um, and help us out four days a week, uh, both at Holsworth and doing a lot of other things. So mm. um, we t- typically do recruiting over the winter and then have mm. everybody in in place uh, for training in the summer and to mm. get us through the summer season. But watch uh, volunteer.gov mm-hmm. is the website where those uh, options are posted, and we're yeah. always looking for wonderful people who want to share this story yeah. uh, with the public.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. We just we recently recorded a podcast with Lindsay. Uh, our volunteer coordinator, and we were just talking about all the many, many different yeah. ways and programs that are just, would not run without our volunteers. And I think this is an, a great example.
2: We're getting sometimes now four or 500 people a day here at Holesworth wow. Historic Site. And I can't remember what our visitation was for last summer. Um, that'll be in the 30,000, you know, and those are, those are visitors that wouldn't have the chance to experience this if it weren't for the really amazing yeah. volunteers who dedicate so much time. Yeah, you know, give, oh, so much time. back to the national park. So. Yeah, I
0: remember the first time I came here. Maybe she's here today. I met someone. And she'd just been volunteering, like, full-time for I don't even remember how many summers. Yeah, it was yeah, incredible. Yeah. It was like a full-time job. Yeah. She just loved it so much. <laughs> and not just being out here and volunteering, too, but how much I could tell people were really into it, mm-hmm. like really into the story and how much research they'd done and binders they'd made and just mm-hmm. so much... Um, love and care and support that they put into it yeah. and to talking to everyone. It's really nice. Okay, that's a good thing to cover. So I just want to talk a little bit more about the Kawanichi Valley and the west side of the park and what do we mean by the west side of the park and all that sort of stuff. So what do we mean by the west side of the park for our visitors who may not know?
2: Well, of course, the park is, is divided not exactly halfway, but yeah. pretty close by the continental divide mm-hmm. by, the, by the main you know, range that runs through here with all mm-hmm. the high peaks. And so um, both geographically and logistically, it makes sense for the park to to sort of have an East District or East Districts and a, and a West District. And mm-hmm. um, in, in, during the summer to get from our... Uh, visitor center and offices here on the west side of the park to where miles is over at headquarters is an hour and a half or longer depending on moose jams right
0: Yep. exactly (laughs) yep
2: um up over the the top and and the reality is that in this high mountain elevation habitat that that road is closed most of the year usually from about mid-october uh to memorial day uh weather Weather dependent, right? And so that time of the year to get from from here to there is about three and a half hours. So um, you know there is this this geographic um, kind of separation that makes makes it logical to have sort of a west side of the park and an, mm-hmm. an east side of the park. It's mm-hmm. just practical for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there, um, yeah, it's all one park. We a lot of things you'll find similar, you know, in terms of staff and programming and things side to side. But there's also some differences. Um, certainly, the Estes Park, the east side of the park, being closer to all the front-range cities like Denver and Boulder and Fort Collins, um, bears the brunt of the visitation. Um, so, 80%. yeah, right? well,
0: Something like that. I think in That's terms of how hear. people enter, yeah. I'm
2: not sure. I think, right, yeah. right. That's just in entrance work, enter, yeah. entrance, entrance stations. So, yeah. But a lot of those people, not all of them. But a lot of those people who enter on the east side do come all the way across Drill Ridge mm-hmm. Road and, and come down here. But it is a percentage of them. It's not all of them. And sure. so one of the differences you'll find is that the east side of the park is busier than the west side. Now, in the past few years, the west side is getting busier and busier, and so we're 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 finding some of the same challenges with full parking lots and uh-huh. busy visitor centers as, as the east side. But still, if you want a chance at, at having uh, – Fewer people during your visit. Mm-hmm. The west side would be a, a good target mm-hmm. to, to come over here mm-hmm. and, and see some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this wonderful historic site, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of unique in the park. Yeah, um, for sure. Not that there aren't historic areas over there, but there's not a place like this where you can go on tours right. through it's, an intact. Yeah, it's
0: usually like something was here or right. <laughs> here's a sign of what it looked like or something like that. It's right, not, right. oh, there's cabins that you can see, see mm-hmm. people's stuff, see their...
2: Another one of the attractions is um, the headwaters of the Colorado River. Yeah,
0: that's a big one. Uh, which
2: which is huge, obviously, yeah. one of the major rivers in, in the United States. And it starts from, you know, little rivulets flowing together to form stream uh, up here at the head of the Kawanichi Valley. Mm-hmm. So it flows through the Kawanichi Valley as it
0: heads. Yeah, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, so, its journey. Uh, I mean, people, if they come to the park, should learn about it. It's in our brochure and everything, but... The Continental Divide, like Michelle was saying, runs right through the middle of the park. And so water that falls on one side of the divide ends up eventually in the Atlantic Ocean and on the other side ends up in the Pacific. And it's interesting how it takes that big jag here, kind of a big U-turn. Oh, yeah.
2: One of the fun things to do is to have people when they visit Holsworth Historic Site um, be standing out in the valley with these amazing views of of the mountains around and and say, okay, point to the Continental Divide. Uh Uh-huh. And the correct answer is to point in three different directions uh, mm. because yeah, the continental divide does following the topography um, kind of head up the North side of the Kawanichi Valley cross over at um, Laputer Pass mm-hmm. and then come South along the crest of the Never Summer Mountains. Uh-huh. Um, and so it's, it's kind of funky to be up here at, yeah. the, at the head of this valley and be almost surrounded by the continental. Yeah. Divide. It makes a
0: pretty weird turn. Yeah. It's amazing. I, that's one of my favorite things about here actually is just cause if you've been in the west and been to lots of other parts of the colorado where it's this huge muddy raging thing and you're like oh so it almost looks like a little creek yeah yeah, yeah it's really yeah, neat yeah. it's really neat to see to see where it starts i haven't hiked all the way up i should
2: yeah Just all the now way we up to the a, headwaters one of our, one of my favorite little hikes over here that sometimes people overlook because it's a simple little hike is the coyote valley river walk hmm um, which is kind of halfway down the valley. It's also uh, an accessible trail, so the trail is designed so that wheelchairs mm-hmm. uh, can, can go on it. But it's maybe a half a mile one way. Yeah, um, sounds right. But it's right on the river. You've got the river on one side, the valley on another side, some scattered trees, and it's often a really good place for wildlife. Plus, there's a real pretty picnic area right mm-hmm. there. So um, yeah, if like you're looking for something short, especially in the evening, right at, right at you know, sunset, mm-hmm. it's just beautiful mm-hmm. out there.
0: Yeah, what are some other um, kind of, you know, not all-day hikes, but just short things people can do if they're coming through?
1: Um, The East Inlet Trail is definitely the most popular trailhead Uh, on the west side of the park, um, mostly because it has awesome views of of the mountains and you're along a creek the whole way, um, but it also is really close to the town of Grand Lake. It's just on the outskirts of Grand Lake, so... mm -hmm. So it's if you're coming up to Grand Lake, that's a great, great little intro. Um, But it definitely can be busy in the middle of the day, so Mm -hmm. that's also a good morning or afternoon Mm -hmm. um, stroll. Uh, One of definitely talking about the Colorado River, one of one of the great trails is the Colorado River Trail, Mm -hmm. and you can just stroll on that one as well. It's not a very hard hike. Um, You kind of meander in and out of the woods and the meadows, and then sometimes you're along the river and if you want to go for a longer hike, about three and a half miles from the trailhead is is the site of Lulu City, which was an old mining town. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot left, but there are some logs and some foundations. But it's a really pretty site, and it's really you can really kind of picture people living up there. Um, but also, it's really remote, so it kind of is puzzling of how they lived up there and how yeah. they got back and forth to different places. People um, did some real
0: wild things to try to mine.
1: They did. <laughs> it didn't work out too well here in the valley because there really wasn't, wasn't any gold or silver, but they did try. They tried. And that is definitely one of the the beautiful trails here in the valley. It has some nice older trees mm-hmm. on it and, um, and you know, not a super steep rocky hike. It's, mm-hmm. it's um,
0: beautiful along the river. Mm-hmm. And then there's the visitor center, of course. Yep,
1: the Kawanichi Visitor Center, which is... Uh, Right before the Grand Lake entrance, um, just about a mile from the town of Grand Lake. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're open during the summer from 8 a.m. to 6 Mm p.m. And um, we are open year-round. The hours do shorten in the fall, winter, and spring. But we're open every day except for Thanksgiving and Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Actually,
2: that's a really good point. Um, The west side of the park is a great place to visit in the winter. Even though the road over the top is not open, uh, the road here in the Kawanichi Valley is plowed uh, to about 12 miles from the entrance. So so the valley itself, you can access the valley. Beautiful place for snowshoeing mm-hmm. uh, or cross-country skiing. Um,
0: yeah, I've heard the cross-country skiing is really Oh, good. yeah. I, well, I part of it is because it's, it, it,
2: it's a nice valley, so you have right. the option of having fairly level um, you know, options for skiing. Uh-huh. And we do, uh, in the winter, again, in the heart of the winter, usually from about the very end of December through February to the very beginning of March, We've offered ski and snowshoe programs, uh, ski programs mostly in January and the snowshoe programs throughout that whole time on the weekends, mm-hmm. um, again, by reservation, same phone number. But uh, the ranger that leads those makes a point of tracking um, routes that don't follow summer trails. Ah. So you specifically have the opportunity to get out and oh, see, see parts of the valley, see yeah. parts of the park that are different from what you can easily access right. in the summer. right. Because once it's blanketed with snow, you can go just about anywhere.
0: Right. So, yeah. And the snow's pretty consistent over here through the oh, winter too. Oh, we get lots right? of snow. Yeah, which that's something that's definitely different. <laughs> snow from, is a
2: reality. Snow, yeah, no, Yeah, definitely different from the
0: east side of the park.
2: <laughs> um, we yeah, get, what's
0: what's weather and conditions on we, this we side, to the other side of usually get
2: of the of about side of of snow Okay. Uh, a winter. So
0: and much more than us. Oh yeah. Oh
2: yeah, 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 yeah. With the uh, the way the storms come from the west and bump up against the the Continental divide yeah it drops um we're sometimes known as the better wetter side (laughs) (laughs) um and so pretty typically throughout most of the winter you'll have two or three or more feet of snow on the ground Mm -hmm. yeah usually by the time you get to late december early january the the skiing and snowshoeing is really good for the next few months
0: yeah because i'm a pretty uh i'm a pretty novice cross-country skier in terms of like steepness skill set and so a lot of times on the east side of the park I'm like "Whoa, man I don't know this is kind of beyond me yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah. no this is this is a good place for for beginners yeah and it's also again even quieter in the winter because without the road open we don't get the folks that are are coming through the park Um, and so you'll have a lot of peace and probably a fair amount of solitude um, if you come in the mm-hmm. if you
0: come in the winter, what about the wind over here compared to the east side?
2: Not so much. Not so much. Not so much. No, <laughs> no, no. It, we don't get the winds the way you do. Not that you can't have a windy day sure, here, here and there, but it, they're not a regular feature
0: yeah. of, and, of the climate. And cooler on this side as well. correct? Yes, that's in, true. Including in summer too. Do yeah to some yeah degree.
2: yeah. Do be prepared in the winter for um, really zero. yeah. but The nighttime temperatures are typically below zero. Yeah. twenty below is not uncommon. Yeah, the, the the lowest I've seen it in the 12 years I've been here was minus 44. Um, A little chilly. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's not when I would recommend skiing and snowshoeing. No. But, but the, the good news is it's usually sunny. Right. I mean, we obviously get storms. We get the snow. But there's usually beautiful sunny days in between. And when you have sun and it isn't windy yeah. and the temperature is 10 or 15 or yeah, 20 or 25, it's really, or it's, it's really comfortable. Especially if skiing It's amazingly comfortable. That's yeah. one of my favorite things yeah, about yeah,
0: Colorado yeah. is just you get that yeah. nice crisp. I worked at Black Canyon of the Gunnison for a while. Yeah. And so I live, you know, in the yeah. winter yeah. and lived up yeah. on the rim. Yeah, And yeah, I would just, like yeah. you said, it'd be 10, 15 and you get out and you probably need, you know, just like a long sleeve shirt, some pants with long johns and yeah.
2: Yeah. Oftentimes, even, even if it's uncomfortably cold overnight, it'll warm up into something yeah. that's very nice for
0: recreation yeah. during the day. So winter recreation, West Side. don't yeah, forget. Don't
2: forget us. Come see us. <laughs> and then I'm
0: trying to think of what else feels different on this side to me. I mean, you have the whole valley set up, which I feel like is very... And it looks like a valley. I mean, on the side, it's a valley, sort of. It's like this circular sort of mm-hmm. basin, almost. Whereas here, you really have that feel of... This,
2: this Kawanichi Valley, um, going back to... You know, we talked about the headwaters of the Colorado uh-huh. River. But back in the last, last ice age, this was carved by a glacier, the Colorado River Glacier, which extended from the head of the valley... Um, gosh, 20 miles, miles—wow, maybe more than 20 miles down, down beyond where the park boundary is now. But that's part of the reason it feels so Valley like. Mm -hmm. And and also part of the reason that that it's, that. that it's wide. Um, the glacier was 1,500 foot thick, and one of the fun things here is as you stand on the floor of the valley and look up at the sides of the valley, you see these lumpy ridges uh, up and down, and those lumpy ridges are the the lateral moraines, uh-huh. the side of the glacier where the, where the debris and the rocks that the glacier was carrying uh-huh. melted out to the oh, side. I've
0: never noticed that. Oh, man, pay no, attention. so
2: you, you can get a feeling for just how deep the ice was by looking up above you at, at the lumpy ridges.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and then if you head south of the park, um, as you head south on Highway 34... Um, you, you drive alongside Shadow Mountain Lake, mm-hmm. which is a, a reservoir uh, adjacent to Grand Lake. But as you drive along Shadow Mountain Lake and get to the southern end of it, there, there are some lumpy ridges there and some little crescent-shaped islands. Oh. And the crescent-shaped islands and the lumpy ridge, actually the lumpy ridge represents kind of the, the, terminal, the terminal moraine. Mm-hmm. And as the glacier receded mm-hmm. and would pause yep. in its melting it would build up these little ridges, which are now the islands in, in Shadow Mountain Lake. Huh. So the, the geology, there's glacier geology on the other side of the park, too. But here it's got this really nice, yeah. well-defined,
0: It's just so big. Massive. Yeah, valley. it's just massive. Yeah. yeah, it almost, well, you worked up in Alaska, too.
2: Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's interesting
0: chance. being back down somewhere where the glaciers are pretty much all gone mm-hmm. and being in, like, a post-glacial landscape. Exactly. And, and thinking about the two and...
1: Well, what it would have looked it, yeah. like
0: filled with with a, this huge glacier. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. And then the Never Summers as well, which is the range that is really prominent uh, when you're in the Kawanichi Valley. It's to the west of the valley. Um, I think it's really neat, too, because it's all volcanic, correct?
2: Yes. And one of the neat things, um, actually a couple things that I thought of when you were talking Never Summer Mountains, mm-hmm. the Never Summer Range. We're in the Kauanichi Valley. We have the Tanahutu River. Good names. Yes. A lot of the names uh, here, certainly on the west side of the park, and I, I know some of them on the east side too, but date back to um, a, a tour that was taken with a group of Arapaho oh. Indians who mentioned their, their, their names that they had had for some of these features. Mm-hmm. So Kauanichi Valley, uh, the term Kawanichi refers to coyote. Mm-hmm. Um, Tanahutu means big meadow which we also call Big, Big Meadow. Meadow. Funny about that. Yeah. <laughs> Tanahutu River runs through Big Meadow. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Anahu Creek, which was named after actually a, a, a race horse. The, the Native Americans would have races here in the valley. And there was a horse that would, to get warm, would back up towards the fire. And and the name Anahu means warms himself.
0: Oh, um, okay.
2: But when you mentioned the Never Summer Mountains, yeah. um, that actually comes from an Arapaho word too, which I I'm sure I won't pronounce correctly, but it's along the lines of Nichibichi, mm-hmm. and it translates never no summer, never no summer mountains. Hmm. And so when they, when whoever translated it into English, they decided to drop the, the double negative. And so now we have the never summer mountains. But a lot of the topography over here uh, still reflects the Native American heritage. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of
0: neat. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, the Never the never summers are just so is so cool. Okay. Oh and you,
2: uh, you mentioned volcanic. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, they are uh, they're definitely igneous. Um, they were a range that erupted as a volcano. Oh, I'm going to what is it? 24 million years ago, I think is what geologists say. So they're they're recent. That I mean, yeah. that that sounds like a long time, but Yeah, in for, terms, for geologists yeah. that that's really quite recent. Um, and the other really unique thing geologically about them is it was really one eruptive cycle. A lot of volcanoes, they'll erupt, they'll erupt, right. they'll erupt, they'll erupt. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you get layers and layers. Mm-hmm. This was um, sort of a wow, a one-time event, which gets geologists excited, a big event. <laughs> but um, when you look at the mountains now and the beautiful rugged, snow-capped peaks, most of the summer, never no summer, um, you are actually looking at the inside of the volcanoes. You're mm. not looking at the volcanic rock that uh-huh. came out. Uh-huh. You're looking at the igneous granitic rock that was part of the magma chambers on the inside that, that cooled, cooled and hardened. Mm. What's happened is that in the years since, particularly with things like glaciers in action, um, the lava that erupted and cooled has already been worn away. Uh-huh. It's already. So, so I always like to tell kids when we, have, when we have school groups that you're looking at the guts of these volcanoes. Uh-huh. So you're looking at the inside. There are places you can still see a little of the ash that erupted from oh, the wow. Never Summer Mountains at Lava Cliffs, yep, lava cliffs. Up, on, up on Trail Ridge Road. Mm-hmm. There's some places, if you know where to look across the valley here, you can see some outcrops. Just um, sort where of thing where stuff was Mountain, ejected way yeah, far away. Yeah, Specimen Mountain. Uh-huh. But when you look at the Never Summer Mountains themselves, you're actually looking at um, means... intrusive igneous rock uh-huh. rather than extrusive volcanic rock.
0: Yeah, that's cool. It definitely, <laughs> yeah. when you see them... Yeah, hopefully that'll help give listeners a, yeah, a better understanding. Because yeah, yeah. when you see them, they do look different. If you mm-hmm. if you pay a little attention, these versus the main mountains in Rocky, it's like, that oh, it looks pretty different. And yeah, when you have drive a very over Trail story. Ridge
2: Road, except for those few outcrops, you're looking at rocks that are much, much, much older. Right, um, Metamorphic rocks and, and, and other granites, but that are just way older mm-hmm. than the Never Summer Mountains. Mm-hmm.
0: And in terms of wildlife over here, pretty similar. More... We're starting to get some moose on the east side now. Yeah, we're we're sharing
2: our moose with you. Yeah, you're
0: sharing. They're exporting some moose. <laughs> no, the moose no, are no, finding The moose are
2: the moose are doing this on their they're own. They're exporting
0: themselves. They're, yeah. yeah, they're finding they're finding their way through <laughs> through and over the mountains onto the east side of the park, but But you, you still, we definitely
2: have a larger population over here yeah. than than on the east side of the park. So the odds of seeing a moose are higher yeah. higher on the west side of the park. I find that they're much easier, more commonly seen early in the summer. Uh. Uh, right now, mm. as we're recording this in early July, this is a pretty good time. June, they seem to be everywhere.
0: Huh. Um, do you think they move up into the mountains later in the summer, or we're not, we're not really sure?
2: You know, the, the, the time of the year I find it hardest to find them is September, October, right? Uh. And I don't know if that's because it's the rut mm. and they're more shy. Busy with that. <laughs> or if it has to do with hunting season oh. in, in, in the forest around us. Right but um certainly i think um you're you've got a higher probability of seeing moose okay. june july than late august That's September good to know. October
0: yeah one of the first other thing coming over here for a brief tour and going to Holsworth and stuff one of the first things i did on this side is i hiked up north inlet all the way mm-hmm. and actually went up to lake nanita and what's the other one nakoni nakoni yeah and then up and over that mm-hmm. saddle and then up into the upper end where there's no trail and came down through there trailless. A lot of moose sign. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> A yeah. lot of moose yeah, sign yeah, up yeah, in there yeah. where there aren't any trails. Yeah.
2: And if you come in the winter, uh, I can just about guarantee you'll see lots of moose tracks. Uh huh. Whether you see moose, right. You know, maybe, maybe not, but you'll certainly yeah. definitely see moose tracks. And moose sign. are amazing.
0: Yeah. I love me. I love uh, moose. And of course, we have elk over lots here. Lots of
1: elk over here. um I'm trying to think. What else is there? Other things that would be unique. We see a lot of river otter signs in the oh. winter. We don't rarely ever see the That's otters, but in the winter along the Colorado River, because the river is mostly frozen over. But when you're kind of standing on top of it, you can hear it. Uh-huh. bubbling underneath you, and uh-huh. there are a lot of river otter tracks yeah. and slides where they're sliding, down hills, and you can even see holes in the ice where wow. they've broken through into the river. That is very um, Especially interesting. walking out from the parking lot here at Holesworth out here to the cabins in the winter. Cool. Um, wandering along the river, there are a lot of otter tracks, wow. Um but we really, really actually see the otters hmm. any time of the year.
0: Hmm. Need to come check that out. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that. That'd be really fun. So... Michelle, you said you've been here 12 years mm-hmm, on this side mm-hmm, of the park, mm-hmm. and Macy, you're a newcomer, right?
1: I'm a, Yes, I'm a newcomer. I got here in May of 2016, so I've been just over a year. Here okay, and where were
0: you here? Where were you before here?
1: I was at a little park in New Mexico called El Malpais National Monument. Uh-huh. A
0: little different than here. A little different. <laughs> yeah. What other parks have you worked at?
1: I've also worked at Grand Teton and Glacier as a seasonal. Okay. And then um, I was permanent at Great Basin and Grand Canyon.
0: Oh, Great well. Basin. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, that's a very cool park. It's a very cool park. Yeah, I have not gotten to go. I've only gotten to work on the map,
1: and, yeah. it, ma- <laughs> and it and it, it, it made and it
0: made me want to go.
1: It's it's a it's really neat. They such there's such low visitation there. They only right. get like eighty thousand visitors a year. So yeah. it's a real wilderness type of park, but it has some amazing features. Yeah, like pines and really cool caves. Yeah. And- yeah, it's definitely one not to be missed if you're out in the middle of nowhere, Nevada. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, that's everyone that I know who's worked there or been there is like, oh
1: yeah, you definitely. It's a great. Park. You gotta go. It's yeah. amazing.
0: So how has uh, the west side of Rocky compared so far to other places that you've worked?
1: Well, I've wanted to work on the west side of Rocky um, for many, many years. Really? This has been a dream um, spot for me. What was so, the
0: What was the dream? Why did you want to be over here? Well,
1: the first time I came to Rocky, I was um, 16 with uh-huh. my family. We were doing a cross-country road trip, and um, I just remember being up in the Alpine. I think we were up at the Alpine Visitor Center, maybe Farview, and I remember looking down in the valley and just thinking it was just, Wow, that's a really beautiful place and for some reason as my career went on, I just always wanted to it was come just back in the to back Rocky. Of your head. Yep. Huh? And um and uh, yeah, this is definitely one of the most beautiful places I've gotten to work, but also one of the most fun jobs I've ever had. I yeah? just I absolutely love it here. It's it's definitely one of the best places.
0: Yeah. What do you like what do you like about uh, the work? What makes it so fun?
1: Um it's very- the the
0: supervisor. Other than your supervisor.
1: <laughs> of course. Of course. That's the number one reason. Know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 seriously, though, like Michelle makes this such a fun place to work. Um, and I think the diversity of the work is what makes um, mm. it so fun. The seasons are awesome. So you have a really busy summer season, and then the fall and spring are really busy with school programs, like not oh, as many daily visitors. Yeah. But yeah, we get to do a lot of school programs in the classrooms, but also they do field trips out here. Uh-huh. And then um, the winter is quiet, but also I feel like I was really active this winter with all of our ski and snowshoe programs and just getting ready for summer and, um, you know, playing in all the snow. It's, it's just such a diverse park in that way. And the job is so diverse. So every day it's something something yeah. different. And then seasonally I do different work. And, you know, like right now in the summer I'm out here at Holdsworth a lot of the time. So it's it's just such a neat, a neat position because of the diversity of mm-hmm. different, different jobs I get mm-hmm. to do.
0: And how do you like living in Grand Lake?
1: Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a great place. I
0: love it. Yeah. What's the year-round population of Grand Lake? Do we
1: not many? I would.
2: You say. know, I think at Grand Lake year-round maybe five hundred, but of course oh. that's that's a lot more in the summer. Sure. Uh, there are a lot of a lot of second homes, a lot of a lot of vacation homes, summer homes up
1: in this area.
0: But year-round, five hundred. Wow, that's even less than I realized. Yeah.
1: And we have the local communities too of Granby and Winter Park and, right. and Kremlin, so there are. Some communities in the county here, um, so you don't feel too isolated yeah. in the winter. And plus people come up to go downhill skiing up in the mountains too. So you run into those folks mm-hmm. visiting the park as well.
2: Yeah, and, and actually, well, residents may be you know, in the hundreds that Grand Lake, like the park, um, operates on recreation. And so there are lots of visitors still in the wintertime oh, okay. who come. okay. Yeah, I was wondering about um, that. And the thinking. forest around us is one of the most amazing snowmobile uh, trail systems. And so that's one of the highlights mm, for folks who, who come to Grand Lake is a lot of lot of snowmobiling. Uh, of course, there's the the activities in the park, the skiing, the snowshoeing. Um, but there are also three ski areas. No more than that. We've, really? got, we've got three Nordic ski areas. Oh, there's wow. one in Grand Lake, one down in Granby, uh, and then one outside of Fraser, plus a couple of downhill ski resorts, one in Winter Park and one in, in Granby. And so... Yeah. A lot of winter recreation. So, so
0: yeah. So it's still there. Businesses are open. Restaurants are
2: open. Yeah. There, there's still things to see and do, even though the actual year round live in population drops quite a bit in
0: winter. Yeah. Does it become uh, a snowmobile town mostly, or is it mostly still cars? um they mix?
2: actually in grand lake don't plow the streets to where they'll melt off because they want yeah, to make better. it snowmobile friendly yeah um so i'd say it's both i mean okay. vehicles are just fine yeah. and but there are you'll see snowmobiles pulled up at the uh, yeah. the local restaurant or mm-hmm. whatever so
0: and so you've been here for 12 years michelle where yeah. were you before
2: uh before this i was at sitka national historical uh-huh. park up in alaska uh-huh. and on an island On an island off the coast of Alaska. Off the road system. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it was funny because when they interviewed me for for this job here on the west side of the park, um, they actually flew down the two finalists for this position. Wow. Because in part they were worried about the people understanding the remoteness oh. of this, <laughs> of this like, area, and yeah, was, I, I was going. You have a road.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you, I, I can you mean drive you can, you can get here to Denver in two other hours? places. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah, so it was uh, that was kind of fun. Yeah, uh, I know this got was to, this was coming to the big city.
0: <laughs> I never got to go down to Southeast Alaska. I was South, always yeah, Alaska was s- amazing. Central, yeah. yeah. How long were you there?
2: Uh, I we were there about five years in
0: interpretation as uh, well. Yes.
2: Uh, yeah, I worked at, in the park there. Um, actually the last few years I was there, I was the chief of interpretation. Okay. So that, that's kind of fun yeah. <laughs> to be in charge. Yeah. Um, and then before that was, um, Lake Mead national recreation uh-huh. area down yeah. in the desert, Lake Mead by Boulder dam. And Huda Yeah. I've dam. been around there. And before that was lava beds, national monument in Northeastern California, oh, yeah, a hidden gem, Yeah. kind of like great basin. Right. And then before that was, uh, I started as a Volunteer intern right out of college at Death Valley National Monument as Uh it was back then. Yeah,
0: so I love Death Valley.
2: Yeah, oh, it's one of my all-time.
0: Yeah, I got to do their map. It was great. I've talked about it before (laughs) on the podcast, so I won't won't drone on and on. You name dropper. (laughs) It was no, it was it was amazing. It was such a fun place to get to map. Just so it's so bizarre and diverse. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, from you know, way below sea level to like eleven thousand plus foot Telescope Peak and yeah. you're standing there in salt and we were there in the middle of the winter you know it was like 85 mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you're looking up at snow it's yeah. pretty pretty fantastic and just all the weird formations
2: yeah incredible Devil's geology of course incredible geology. geology
0: yeah I remember when I got there I'm sure oh well I shouldn't say I'm sure I bet this person was still there when you were working there I can't remember his name an interpreter it has been there really long time but anyway I was like
2: yes listeners this is what rangers do yeah do you know so-and-so <laughs> yeah have you met so oh you work there you must know so-and-so oh yeah
0: yeah yeah when I was talking to Lindsay it's as bad as
2: a family reunion when I
0: was talking to Lindsay she had worked on a small like a pocket cruise company up mm-hmm. in southeast Alaska mm-hmm. and I mentioned oh yeah one of my really one of my best friends my entire life did that too that I worked with in Alaska for a few summers and she was like what's his name I said Eric Toussaint She's yeah, we know each other. We work together all summer. <laughs> so happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've been here for twelve years, all those other places. What about you? What do you think? You've got the you've got Macy has the the new experience, mm-hmm. you've got the twelve year experience. Oh, well, this so has was, been this
2: has been an amazing place. Yeah. Um, and uh You know, you don't spend 12 years in one place unless you've really fallen in love with it. True. Um, Some of it is, uh, yeah, the people I work with. I have wonderful staff members like Macy and the seasonals. One of my seasonals has worked at this park for over 40 years. Whoa. 42 or 43 years. Wow. uh, And she's amazing. And so, seasonal. Seasonal, yeah, seasonal. Um, She's a teacher the rest of the year. And so it works out really well for her. Yeah, that's great. this is, this is just a very, very special place because it's somewhat smaller in size and in visitation and in staff than the east side. Um, people on this side of the park do tend to have a more diverse role. Like Macy said, it's mm-hmm. less specialization just because the size is smaller. So mm-hmm. each person tends to do more things. So that, the diversity is fun, but it also makes for kind of a family atmosphere yep. um, on this side of the park. Um those of us who are division leads over here actually work in the same hallway. So there's a lot of interaction between specialties. And, yeah. And, and that's, that's really fulfilling. Yeah. Um, the communities, you know, are amazing. And it's, I, I, my son is now 13. Oh, wow. So, so this is, you know, he's kind of grown up here and yeah. it's been an amazing place to, you know, to raise a kid and yeah. let, have him have the experience both inside the park and, and in this community, in this area. So, yeah. Yeah, happy times.
0: hmm Yeah, it seems like a great town. That's another thing when people come over, yeah. go into Grand Lake, of yeah. course. Visit has yeah. a very different feel um, than like Estes and the east side of the park. Very, very different feel in 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 a lot of ways. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting how diverse different Park Service sites are. Oh just, yeah, just, yeah,
2: yeah. Even yeah. even district to district. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. Because yeah. like you said. Um, even in a lot of the bigger parks, there's almost always one or more smaller districts that are just so much more quiet. I remember like one summer I worked in Yellowstone, I worked at, um, Tower Roosevelt Junction right there. And it's just, you know, it's like a little ranger station Mm -hmm. and a few people and that's pretty much it. And yeah, exactly. Like you said, it makes, it becomes very, very tight knit, the culture. Mm -hmm. It's almost Mm -hmm. like one big family. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely a different feel on the east side of the park. It's just, there's just way yeah, more gotta people. Yeah, you got to see them both. There's yeah, just so much both. going on. Yeah, you just, you have to experience both. Haven't experienced Rocky
2: Mountain National Park until you've seen both sides of the park. I agree. In multiple seasons.
0: Yeah. Yeah, see, that's, yeah, I haven't come over yeah. in the middle yeah. of real winter here. Yeah. I really need to yeah. do that. Yeah,
2: I mean, autumn is spectacular. We haven't talked about autumn. But
0: oh, yeah.
1: When the
2: the colors usually peak around the third week of September. huh and generally you've got the elk doing the elk rut and bugling at the same time um and again things can be sometimes gridlock over on the east side of the park Mm -hmm. and over here it's a much more i don't know less crowded viewing experience for those kind of things yeah
0: i remember we we came over last year to to film and take some pictures of some of the fall colors and it was beautiful yeah yeah and significantly earlier too than our side of the park, at least last year. I mean, I'm sure every year it varies Yeah, somewhat, no, I think but... that's
2: true. We're, we're a little higher. Yep. Um, we're a little higher. A little higher so elevation. Things, things start faster. Winter comes. Winter,
0: <laughs> Winter comes, comes sooner. Quite a bit Spring sooner. Spring comes
2: later. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. Do you get... Um, do, when do you usually get your first snowfalls? Early?
2: Uh, you know, usually around Halloween. It can happen okay. earlier. I mean, yeah. it, it can sure. happen any any sure. time of the year. Um, but the first one's...
0: Of significance,
2: Halloween. usually around Halloween. Yep. This is one of those communities where you design your Halloween costumes or <laughs> around being able to wo- be worn over a big coat. My
0: fiancé and I <laughs> joke about that because she grew up in Wyoming and Douglas. And for a while when I was growing up, I lived in, in Iowa, in southwest Iowa. And we actually, believe it or not, we would have snow. It would be pretty cold in the uh, end of October. And yeah, we were just like <laughs> designing your costume around... <laughs> exactly or a huge coat we would often do like a huge coat with a trash bag over the top and a mask or something yeah. so you didn't freeze yeah.
2: so we'll start getting snow consistently usually around then we don't typically have enough to be really good skiing snow until yeah mid to late December yeah but we certainly yeah will.
0: kind of typical pattern around here takes a little bit into yeah, the, into to get the, the bait, winter get the
2: base built up a sure
0: bit. Mm-hmm. great so we've covered Holzor. Talked about what you can do out here. Talked about the centennial event that you should be at, which is next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fridays, big days, County Cheap Valley. Um, there's also one thing we didn't mention. I mean, it kind of goes without saying in Rocky tons of hiking. Oh, yeah. I mean, so much hiking. It's yeah. beautiful yeah. Yeah. from the yeah. side. I feel like a lot of times the approaches are longer, Little longer. to get up into the mountains. You know, if you
2: want to get to a really, really nice lake over here, you're probably going to have to go at least five miles. Yeah, you're in um, for a longer
0: day, for sure. Um, but beautiful. there's some
2: waterfall. Well, the Adams Falls you talked about already is real close. But there's other things that are, you know, in between three and a half miles and five miles, there are some really nice destinations on yeah. most of the trails.
0: So great hiking. And, uh yeah, don't be afraid to come any time of year. Yeah. There's great stuff all year round. And it doesn't can... shut down in the winter. You no, can't go over Trail not. Ridge. It does not. <laughs> you can't go over Trail Ridge. Trail Ridge does close. But park stays open. Town stays open. Yeah. There's tons of stuff yeah, to do.
2: Absolutely. And if you do come in the summer, and we'd love to see you. Actually, tell us if you listen to the podcast. That would be fun. But yeah. if you do come in the summer, um, Similar guidelines now as to the east side of the park. Plan to come early mm. in the morning or uh, later in the later afternoon or evening if you want. That's good. To yeah. be sure that you can get a parking That's spot. That's
0: a good thing to cover. Yep. It's getting busy everywhere. Mm-hmm, early mm-hmm, or late. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So our final question. Uh-oh. We've Here, Macy. Ask- we've, <laughs> we've been asking everybody this. Your answer doesn't have to be profound or whatever, but we've been <laughs> good, asking everyone. Good. <laughs> it's, it's a very general question. So you can take it however, wherever you want to go. What does Rocky mean to you people have given us a gamut of answers you know in terms of professionally and personally so
1: i would say honestly that rocky means to me um home this Mm -hmm. is one of the national parks that i feel at most home in Mm -hmm. and um there's always something exciting going on and it makes it a really fun home to have Mm
0: -hmm. did you grow up around here or you no, just, I did you not. You came on trips.
1: I just love the Rocky Mountains, um, and I came on trips, uh-huh. and out of all the national parks I've lived at, this one feels most like home.
0: Oh, that's great. How about you, Michelle? I'm going to
2: have to wipe away the tears for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm actually going to steal something I learned from Barry Sweet, who is our wilderness uh, office, wilderness backcountry system coordinator, but... Uh, He talks about Rocky Mountain National Park as being a place where people can come and remember how to be their best selves, how when you get out of the everyday routines and you get out of the, you know, whatever business or whatever pressures you have and you come and you spend time in this place, whether it's, you know, touring the road and seeing the scenery from the road or whether it's getting back on a backcountry experience, a wilderness experience, um... It gives us time to kind of reflect on, on who we are and what we're about uh, and remember, again, remember our best selves. And, and I, I love that. It's true of our national parks in general, and it's really true here at Rocky Mountain National Park. Um, you can come to Holsworth. You can learn about how people overcame setbacks and persevered and created something wonderful here. You can spend time in the natural world and contemplate what things were like if you were standing under 1,500 foot of ice. Um But yeah, I think it lets us remember some of the good things about who we are, about the country we live in, about what we can be.
0: Great. All right. Thank you guys so much. And that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another episode of the Rocky Mountain National Podcast. Our next episode is going to be released in two weeks on Friday, July 28th. So make sure to tune in then. We really appreciate any comments that you want to leave for us on our homepage. Um, And we also appreciate any reviews that you may want to give us in iTunes um, those reviews help other people find us. They get us onto recommended lists. They make us easier to find when people search. And of course, the best thing you can do is uh, spread our our podcast through word of mouth. We just had an article in the Estes Park Trail Gazette that you can find online highlighting the podcast and this project. and uh, we're just trying to get it growing and going and in more people's ears and minds. So, If you enjoy it and you think you know other people who might, please let them know to uh, subscribe and hear all our episodes. For show notes, transcriptions, and to learn more about our show, visit our homepage at go.nps.gov forward slash rmnpod. That is go.nps.gov forward slash rmnpod. Each episode gets its own post on that page, and you can actually leave comments for each episode. The Rocky Mountain National Podcast is a product of Rocky Mountain National Park, one of 417 units of the National Park Service that preserve America's heritage for all, forever. Thank you so much for joining us again. We hope your next two weeks are awesome. We hope ours will be too. And we will see you next time. Bye for now.